Hi, welcome to Love Faith Talkers. We are here to talk about the topics that matter to real life Christians just like you. Topics like anxiety, fitness, loneliness in church, Christians in the workplace, depression, and even food. We interview psychologists, preachers, businessmen, and businesswomen, and people just like you. We're here to help you find the hope, inspiration, and courage you need to live your life the way God intends. As an empowered, thriving Christian. Thanks for joining us on Love Faith Tacos. If you're a first-time listener, we're so glad you chose to listen to us. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. We're having another interview podcast today. And... A couple of quick things before we get into that. We want to give our common disclaimer that just because we have someone on our podcast does not mean that we necessarily agree with or endorse everything they say. However, we clearly had them on because we felt that there was something of value we could gain from them. And I'm telling you that our interview with Tracy Knights had a lot that we can learn from and grow from. The second thing I wanted to let you know about is we were during this interview having some strange audio equipment issues. We still don't know why. But we are completely dedicated to figuring it out and getting it fixed before we have our next interview. So thank you for bearing with us on that. After the interview with Tracy is over, Nikki and I will be back to talk a little bit about what we heard and some of the things that really stood out to us. It was a fantastic interview. If you heard last week's, it was even better than that one. And last week's was pretty amazing. If you didn't, make sure you go back and listen to it. Either way, you can check the show notes to see some of the resources that were mentioned today. And... I think it's worth it to go ahead and grab something to take some notes with, whether it's your phone or a paper, because if you've dealt with church hurt, Tracy has some amazing insight into that topic. Let's listen to the interview together now. Due to the fact that you've had a lot of church hurt and you've gone through things, and like you talked about, you've seen errors in the system, you've seen people complicating the message of God and trying to control what actually motivates you to continue to go to church as opposed to giving up on church? Because we've met a lot of people who have just quit on church, quit on God. And been through similar things. Right, been through yeah. similar things. I mean, we've been through right. some similar things in many ways. So what is it that that motivates you to continue to pursue a relationship with a church family as opposed to just going it on your own? Okay. I was actually hoping that you would get to this question. Um. <laughs> yes. Discernment. You got it. Bam. You nailed it. No, it's good. Um, and I will say, let me first share where I am right now with church, um, and where I've been since kind of the storyline that I, that I told so far. So I moved to Maine, um, totally relocated my kids and myself about a year and a half ago. Um, right away, I kept going to church. That was kind of before a lot of the disenchantment of the place where I sort of learned about grace and then found out that there was just a lot of lies and, Um, And I'll be honest, that hurt me deeply, even with the understanding of what was going on. Um, So I I brought my kids out here. um, And I think parenting does play a role in this for me, I will say. Um, It was important for me that my kids continue to continuously be exposed to God's word in an atmosphere of that I could trust and of love. And I um, did some research. And because of the place that I was in in life, Um, as a single parent going through divorce and a lot of challenges, um, I wanted a place that would support that. So we started driving about 45 minutes to a church. It was a Baptist church, um, but I wasn't tied to that. At that point, I had visited four square churches and other denominations. I, I just was looking for a place where I knew 
I would find the heart of God and leaning into that discernment that I had started to come to acknowledge in myself. And so we started driving 45 minutes to a church that had um, a wonderful teen ministry, divorce care, single parent classes, classes for porn addiction. I mean, like if a church is going to post a class about porn addiction, they're not a judgmental place because people yeah. have to start <laughs> right. class. Like, let's just be honest, right? Um, <laughs> Um, and we walked onto the campus and, um, it was like the first couple of weeks that we were there, it had started snowing and the kids were super excited and they started tossing snowballs and being super loud outside between the first couple of services. And I kind of got on them and the, the head pastor picked up a snowball and chucked it at my kids. And you know, he's in his late sixties. <laughs> and he said, church is a place where kids should be joyful and laugh and have fun and want to be here. Please don't get after them for being kids. And I was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I knew that I had found a place that was safe for them. Um, And that at that time was a priority to me, was to find a place that was safe for them. The youth pastor at that church is fantastic. He and his wife are wonderful people. And um, the, the staff that they've surrounded themselves with immediately connected with and supported my kids, which was huge for me. Um, it was a very large church, so it's very hard for me to find connection for some time. But I kept going because my kids were connected, and I wanted them to continue to feel God's love um, in an organized church institution that wasn't just for me. Uh, about oh, a couple months later, uh, a congregational, a small, teeny tiny congregational church whose pastor had actually offered me a place to live when I came out here. They had a, they have a cabin and they had offered me the cabin for the winter so that I didn't have to worry about rent and I had time to get myself started as a single mom and um, they're retired missionaries and um, anyways it was just kind of something that they felt God had called them to do and um, he grew up Baptist and now is an interim pastor at the congregational church where my parents in the town that my parents grew up in and it's interesting because I was always taught that the people that went to this church were not saved they didn't know Jesus there was no gospel there um, like, I mean, I mean, I was just taught that these were like works-based salvation people and nothing could be further from the truth. This church is one of the most hands and feet of Jesus places I have ever been. The gospel is preached there every single Sunday. Um, and <clears throat> it's just very interesting to me. Um, the, the misconceptions that we grew up with in, um, their pianist had gotten very sick and they asked me if I would cover and it was a paid gig, which I didn't know being a musician could be. Right. Um, <laughs> in a church setting. <laughs> in the Baptist circles, you don't get paid to do music, but you better be really good at it. Um, that was true. <laughs> you better be willing to volunteer 90 hours a week and put your kids to bed crying at 10 p.m. on a Thursday night. But don't expect a dime of payment or any kind of acknowledgement in return. And if you're too spirit filled up on that platform, gosh darn it, you're going to get kicked off because you just stole a pastor's <laughs> people. Um, <laughs> right. Just went on a little rant there. Literally found out a few weeks ago from an evangelist friend that they would bring up that I was so spirit-filled and they wished that I would be allowed to sing and I wouldn't be. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting, yes. <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> moving forward. A lot of things made sense, but um, 
they asked me to start covering. And it's interesting because the style of worship is so different. It's old fashioned hymns. I mean, like we're talking stuff Luther wrote, like old fashioned lecture and hymnal, um, very, very traditional worship. But most of it is just scripture reading and then speaking on passages. You know, it's just very just very back to the basics, a tiny little congregation of people that run a huge food bank that help the community that do tons and tons of events. Um, And I've just been very privileged to become a part of this little community that is in addition to the community where I take my kids for services. Um, And I will say that when everything sort of unfolded about the church in Fresno, um, I, I actually could not physically go to a Baptist church for a while. And oh. I was very thankful that God had brought this little tiny congregation into my life and that I had to play for them every Sunday because it kept me in church. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, I don't say that God um, dictates our lives, but I do think he, he places things in them that we can use for his glory and he protects us. And this to me was his way of protecting me from just walking away he gave me this little congregation of people that show Jesus love so authentically to me and my children. Um, and I'm so, so thankful. Um, and for a period of time, I struggled with the fact that I could not go to a Baptist church. I just, even for my kids, I couldn't take them there. It was so triggering to see a white man standing in the pulpit. Um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, like the big mega church feel um, lights stage. I could, I actually just couldn't, like I had a visceral response in my body. Yes. A trauma response. Absolutely. Trauma response. And it was months before I could go back. Um, and there were times when I took the kids and I had to walk out and it was, Mm -hmm. and I just did not allow myself to feel guilt. I was like, God understands that I have been Mm -hmm. incredibly hurt by this misrepresentation of his name for so long and that I'm still walking with him and that I love him and he doesn't have any expectation for me about what church I go to or where I sit or even if I needed to not ever go to church for a while like it would be okay yeah Yeah. because we say that too there are um, times that you need that space to heal that you cannot get when you're there because of trauma, because what you said, it yeah. becomes more. If you can't get through the trauma response and you're blacking out because of some sort of trigger, there's no point in forcing yourself into that situation where you're mm-hmm. just going to continue to be triggered. Um, and so it took me some time before I was able to go back. Um, and now I, I'm fairly comfortable. There are There's a lot of songs that we sing that are very triggering for me because they're songs that I let in worship. Um, and there's times where I just need to skip worship and then sit through the message. Or there's times when I can do worship, but that's all I have in me. And I walk out for the message <laughs> and that is all okay. Um, because God doesn't sit there with a rule book of, of where he gets to meet me. I mean, He's God not checking meet- in on your time at church. Like, can, oh, she checked in at 11. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. And well, Christ already fulfilled like- the rule book. That was, yeah, that was yeah. done. And he's not going to himself, well, it's a darn shame Tracy missed church this week because now I can't meet with her until next week. That's, I mean, (laughs) I mean, but seriously, God meets me in coworkers at a public school. 
God meets me in my children. God meets me in my best friend. God meets me in my boyfriend. God meets me in like all these different relationships that he's pushed into my life. God meets me in circumstances that are messy and broken and that I feel like are going to destroy me because that's where he is. And he gets to decide that he's going to help me to pick up the pieces and rebuild something with them. God is not confined to church. God is not confined to scripture. God is not confined to anything. And we try to put him in this little bubble and he's just everywhere and all consuming. And because we're not looking for him outside of this little box, we miss him. And when you let God out, (laughs) you realize he's everywhere and he doesn't have to be, and you don't have to be somewhere to meet him. You can just be, and you can just let him be in your life. And he's suddenly everywhere. Yeah. I think that the reason that we create those boxes is because we in ourselves are trying to understand God. um, And like, we're trying to, to, conform God to an image that we can get and that we can Mm. process. And like you're saying, like there's an end point or something, but when you, like you're saying, when you open the box, that's when in true humility, when you can just admit, I'm not going to understand God. I'm not going to get it all. That's when God can really speak to us in completely new and different ways. And it's not heretical. You're not going to end up, uh, you know, doing something against God, quote, unquote, um, if God is speaking to you, but there have been so many times that God has spoken through to me through a song. I, honestly, and I know this may sound weird to people, but I really don't care how it sounds. I've had times when I'm just standing there and the sun is shining through the trees and I can hear the wind. And it's just like, I feel God's here and I feel mm-hmm. relaxed and calm. And I, I didn't feel that five minutes ago. And all of a sudden I do, and I can sense the presence of God. And, um, you know, where we went to college together, that would have been seen as really free fruit. And, uh, that's, yeah, because you can't, you can't feel, feel God. God. He's not related to feelings. <laughs> exactly. Never mind that God has a bunch of feelings that are mentioned in scripture. Yeah. Never yeah. mind that that Jesus experienced grief so deeply. This is this came to my um I don't remember if it was I, it may have been in a podcast that I was listening to recently that talked about emotion and how we've removed God from emotion. Um, but it was talking about how Jesus wept when he knew he was going to fix it. He knew what the result was, but he was so deeply moved by the emotions of those around him and by the loss that he felt in that moment, that even when he knew he was going to fix it, and even when he knew the outcome, he was overcome with the need to mourn. Um, And I could get into a whole thing on mourning. <laughs> um, I've been diving deeply into into grief, and not just grieving death, but grieving um, grieving properly grieving the life that we thought we were going to live, um, and how we cannot live the life we are meant to fully embrace until we grieve what we thought we had, um, and that's been a big part of my healing recently, is to let the darkness in. Um, and to hurt for what has been lost um, and to hurt for what has been taken and to allow myself to have the time for that, even if nobody else does. 
Um, right. And to realize it's not sinful to feel those things and that Jesus felt them when he knew they would be resolved. He let the darkness in and he felt the heaviness and the grief and the hurt and just the absolute utter pain and anguish of a, a life that had been misunderstood and cut short and it wasn't the timeline that was supposed to happen and he felt those things and it's okay to feel those things. Yeah, Sorry, but God created emotions so they're okay to experience. Because that's something yeah. that I know we were taught that, you know, I don't know how many times I specifically heard preaching against feelings. Like, you, you no feelings. Yeah. You can't have feelings. And, and I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I know that you can make poor decisions based on your feelings, but that doesn't mean you're going to and that it's wrong to experience them. Um, and we've learned in trauma that failure to address those feelings creates trauma mm -hmm. right um, and and actually should anyone be diving into healing um i'm sure nikki can also relate to this and this has been something that i've had to accept lately is that um if you were raised not having feelings <laughs> they didn't go anywhere <laughs> just they're to be honest. they're very deeply uh, in you <laughs> in you and when you start getting help, because God, God hopes, God help us. Let's hope that somebody listens to this today and says, I need help to heal from church hurt. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if you've been hurt deeply over 20, 30 years, you need help. Please get yep. help, get professional help. It doesn't even have to be faith-based professional help. You have deep trauma and you need to get help. Mm -hmm. um, when you start to unpack that, those emotions didn't go anywhere and they will come out and they will come out a lot at once and a lot more frequently. And you will shut down like for periods of time, you will have incredibly difficult trauma response and you will think you're doing something wrong when in reality, those things just need to come out of your body and it will get right. better. <laughs> but for a while it will get worse. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm kind of in the middle of that right now. Just I've, in therapy just started diving into um childhood ptsd mm -hmm. um and a lot of a lot of things have just um i ran into a very sweet couple the other day unexpectedly um from my childhood that was related to some of my trauma and for, and i did not expect it and for a half an hour i was curled in a fetal position in the dark um, and nearly blacked out several times and it was okay. I had a safe space to do that, but, um, they did not do anything wrong to me in that moment, but all of this just was there. All of these repressed mm -hmm. feelings and emotions and everything that was tied to this dear, sweet couple came up and I had to feel it. And now if I saw them, I would probably be okay, but <laughs> feelings yeah, are not simple and they're very damaging to you. Mm -hmm. If you do not allow yourself to feel them, there is a, there's a spirituality to allowing those God-given emotions to manifest in the moment so that they don't harm your body, like physically harm your body. I was going to say, I heard a podcast, I want to say it was like a month ago, and it was kind of talking about feelings, emotions, all that stuff. But they were saying, kind of similar to what you're saying, that sometimes when we don't allow ourselves to feel, it can be something small, like you know, people who don't use turn signals really irritate me when I drive. So I get irritated with that. 
and maybe instead of like expressing my frustration, <gasps> I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be like that. I should be a Christian. I should, whatever. Like I label it. Right. And then, you know, I go through the day cause I drive a lot and it keeps happening and I'm like suppressing that. And then I get home and David says something and I like snap at him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not upset with him. I'm upset with all the drivers and blah, 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 blah. But the reason I have that reaction is because I didn't take time that I needed when I felt irritated to accept like, Hey, I feel irritated right now. That's okay. Like just mm-hmm. acknowledging it and accepting it. And mm-hmm. what, you're not letting the joy of Jesus shine <laughs> upon your face. <laughs> but yeah, it's really interesting how, when we do, we do take that time for ourselves. Cause I've been working on that just for like little irritations, even throughout the day, I don't snap at people as much, you know, I am in a better mood. Why? Because I'm letting out those emotions. I'm not just mm-hmm. like suppressing it or labeling it as bad or whatever. Right. And once you felt it, you can release it. Like you, you got you, it's done. It's gone. Exactly. It's not, Instead building. of building up and then giving it to David. <laughs> yes. And, we, and that's what we do. We wait till we're in our safe space with the mm-hmm. safest place life and then mm-hmm. we know we're not going to lose and then we unleash that whether it's our children or our spouse or someone we're in a relationship with and then it becomes you know it does damage it does physical yeah. like emotional damage yeah so. um speaking of therapy because you had mentioned seeking professional help what kind of therapy would you recommend for people who have some trauma Um, I know that I've done cognitive behavior therapy and that was so life-changing for me. Do you have any Mm -hmm. specific kinds of therapy that you would recommend? I work um, with a a therapist from BetterHelp right now. Um, Pretty much everybody's digital, which is, I mean, I guess a blessing, also also a challenge. Um, And um, I would say that, um, I heard somebody say this a while ago and I was like, I don't know that that's true that um, it's okay to need multiple types of therapy at once. (laughs) So I have a general therapist who I've developed a wonderful relationship with over the past, oh, 13 months, 14 months or so. Um, And she is um, a Christian, but not necessarily a Christian therapist. Um, She relates to my faith, but also she did not grow up like I did whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, She actually grew up at another congregational church here in Maine. Um, So she definitely has faith and relates to that believes in God, but doesn't, hasn't carried any trauma from her faith forward. So I would say like, I hear people say like, get Christian counseling. If you're having marital problems, do this, do that. Sometimes that's helpful, but most of the time it's not. Um, if you've been actually hurt through spiritual abuse, you might not need, it, it could be very triggering to seek um, spiritual counsel. When I first left my husband, um, I, we had one joint session with a Christian marriage counselor from the well. Um, and she is like, has several PhDs is a wonderful therapist. Um, she was so good that I kept her as my personal therapist, (laughs) even after I had decided that my marriage was going to end. And I told her, which I would highly recommend, should anyone seek Christian counsel, that I wanted help from a clinical standpoint. And if I wanted scripture on something, I would ask her for it. Because 
this well, sounds say, that's something I like about BetterHelp because we looked at it and they allow you to choose we what are you all looking your, for. Yes, you put in all of your guidelines for what you're looking for, and they match you with someone who, and you can try out different therapists as well. But this woman, I literally said, and I would say if somebody's going through a church or something like that, you want to make sure that that person has a degree yes. in clinical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want someone who also has faith, make sure that they are able to differentiate and offer you help from the perspective you're seeking. Um, she recognized in me immediately that I had an immense amount of trauma. As a matter of fact, when my spouse was speaking to me during our joint session, she looked at him and said, did you see her shut down when you started to, you know, big white man in my face preaching scripture at me? I was gone. I was completely checked out as soon as he started quote unquote preaching at me. Um, and so she very, very much understood that there were certain things that were triggering to me. So those are things that you want to find out, see if you can do a trial session with somebody and see if they're a good fit. Um, but she was very respectful that she said, you already know all the scriptures. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> Trust me. Like, I could probably quote most of them to you. If I, if that's what I'm looking for, I will go mm-hmm. to church. I will look in my Bible. I need clinical help yes. from you because of psychological, emotional abuse and damage that has been done to me. Um, setting boundaries, those kind of very practical things. These are the things that therapists are good for. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that right now I use my better help therapist. And like you said, there's a long checklist of things that you can put in, um, separation, um, trauma was one of them that I, um, put in because I knew that I had carried a lot of trauma from, um, being adopted, um, that I have, uh, attachment issues. And so that was one of the things that I put in. Um, I'm trying to think, I definitely put in that I did want someone that had some sort of, you know, faith and would understand organized religion and church because a lot, I knew that a lot of my trauma had come from that and I needed someone who could at least understand the mindset. Um, I put in that I had come out of an abusive relationship and put in that I wanted some help with single parenting and those kind of things and got matched with someone who was incredible the first time. And I don't know that that's, I think that's fairly normal. I've sent the referral link to several people who've been very happy with who they've been matched with kind of off the bat. So I will say that um, I am in a relationship now and we've hit some road bumps along the way. We both have kids and a lot of trauma, Um, very individual, very different trauma. We each see our own therapist and this week we're going to start seeing somebody together. Um, so I'm just saying that in a way to say that sometimes one therapist is not enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this is in addition to listening to podcasts and pulling in resources from, you know, books and worksheets and those kind of things. So I think it just depends on like, you know, we we kind of both were like, well, we're seeing our own therapist, but then our therapists were taking a, up a lot of the time where we could be healing from something else to help us through relationship stuff. And I was like, well, we both have separate healing we still need to do. We right. need someone for our relationship. So we're not taking away from our individual healing. Um, so that's kind of like, no, like that. that's a really good yeah. point. I want to ask you this, you know, one of the, one of the big stigmas that we run into in Christian circles is the whole thing. Well, if you go see a therapist or psychologist, they're going to destroy your faith. You didn't find that to be true, Nikki. I'm, it's, no. You clearly didn't find that to be true, Tracy. Not. 
Yeah. What would you say to people who, who, well, I was told by my pastor or my friend not to go see a therapist because of that. What would you tell them? Um, I will say that this is something that, um, that my boyfriend and I have talked about a lot with our therapist is that a good therapist doesn't tell you what to do. If you have a therapist who's telling you what to do, they're not a good therapist. Um, a good therapist's job is to lay out pros and cons and to help you project what certain decisions will result in. It's almost like an, an analysis, like an, like someone to help analyze without the emotions that are caught up inside of your own trauma and experiences who can say, probably if you do this, these things will fall into place or these things will fall apart. Probably if you do this, this is the circumstances that you have and to help you make healthy choices. I do not like to say right or wrong. I like to say healthy or unhealthy because that terminology um, has really affected the way that I look at choices I make. Does this bring more healing or more trauma? Does this bring more health to my family unit or does this bring more chaos to my family unit? Um, so these are the, these are the things that I, that I look at. Um, so I would say if a therapist is telling you, this is your healthy choice. Um, I would probably get a different therapist. <laughs> like what's their agenda? Why would they be saying that? I mean, the goal they of a therapist, they should be more objective. To help you be healthy. Yeah. That's their job is to help you get healthier. Their job is to not tell, is not to tell you whether to hold on or release your faith. Their job is not, I just, or they have an agenda. Right. They're, they have, right. They yeah. should be in it for you. They, I mean, if mm-hmm. you hire someone as your couples therapist, then they should be batting for you as a couple. But if right. you, and this is, this is a part of why, since we're not married and in an actual, you know, we're in a relationship, but since we're not married right now, it's very important that our therapists, our individual therapists are pro our health, not our relationship's health. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to be able to help us as an individual say, if this isn't healthy for you and your kids, you need to walk away. Because right. that is their job is to help us as an individual be healthy. Now, given that, given saying that and saying that it is our choice right now, then they are, you know, obviously on that page. But were it to be unhealthy, their job is to show us the health or lack of health in something, mm-hmm. you know, and to help us to make those choices. So I would say if you are in even a marriage that is um, abusive and you might not be recognizing it, get your own therapist (laughs) and then get a couples therapist to help you with your marriage because you might have something going on that you're not going to recognize in the unit of your spousal um, support. And depending on how you're raised, you might not even recognize abuse or what's healthy for you or not. Right. That's what I was just going to say. I think that a lot of times based on the way we were taught or the way we've just maybe perceived things, um, it's sometimes difficult to realize we need help. Number one, number two, to admit we need help. Number three, to know where to find help, but most Mm -hmm. important when to find help. And I think that what you said was really important because we tend to wait longer than we should. Um, and I know that for Nikki and, and me with her situation that she came to, she had been telling me for a while, I want to get help. I want to get help. Yeah. But, but we, we really waited too long. Well, and I didn't know how, right. unfortunately, yeah. because due to how I grew up, you know, there was like, 
therapists are bad. Don't go to therapists. <laughs> Don't see a psychologist, all that. But then there was no other kind of resources really to actually address um, it in a clinical way, right? Mm-hmm. Like obviously mm-hmm. they have scriptures, but. They send you to these, what do they do is they send you to Christian counselors. And I want to specify, there's probably nothing wrong with a Christian counselor. If, as a, you're saying, they're being a real Christian counselor. Because mm-hmm. a real Christian counselor is going to model what God did, and God never forced us to do anything. Salvation is not even something forced on us. I mean, maybe if you're a hyper-Calvinist, it is. Um, but at every aspect, because we will have people that will come to us for spiritual advice. We never tell people what to do. We might tell right. people our preference, but we will mm-hmm. tell them at the end of the day, you answer to God for your decisions, and so I'm not going to tell you what to do. We're just going to advise you. Yeah, and you may lay out options, like Tracy was saying a therapist should do, but just to point Um, them out and show people. Yes, um, exactly. Like you you are going to say, I can see that this, this, and this might happen if you do this. I can also see that this, this, and this might happen if you do this. Um, What do you want to happen? (laughs) And again, I think, David, what what you were mentioning ties way back into what I was saying Um, with some of the life coaching that I've done. And I forgot to mention that is one more element of healing that I have brought in is a life coach who has been through um, a lot of training in retraining your brain. Um, And a therapist is different than a life coach. Um, A life coach is going to give you more practical exercises and resources once you have begun that healing process to be able to execute and sort of re like your brain has neurological pathways that are shaped in it. Um, and a life coach is often more able to help you reshape those pathways by, um, very laid out, um, habitual steps that will actually reform the pathways in your brain, um, and sort of reorganize them from traumatic experience. So I work with a life coach as well, not as regularly as my therapist, but, um, on a fairly regular basis, or if I'm finding something that I'm getting stuck on and I can't move through it. Like if I'm just feeling like I'm stuck in this area and I can't make progress, I have this underlying fear that just permeates everything and I can't shake it. Then I'll work with her, um, on that stuck point to get unstuck and sort of, sort of retrain my brain. Um, but, oh, there was, I, I got sidetracked, but, um, Oh, what she was saying about when you said a right choice or a wrong choice. um, I I really try to get away from that because choices are just choices. Um, And nothing that you do is, I mean, aside from something obvious, like that's going to send you to prison, but nothing that you do is like going to end your life for the most part. Mm -hmm. Nothing that you're talking to your therapist about is going to be like, if you do that, you know, like, even if it's the wrong choice, almost every choice we make probably is, you know, like there's something about it that's unhealthy there's going to be things you can find in it that are going to move you forward to the next better step. Like everything is just a stepping stone. And to take the fear of that, like right or wrong choice, like it's so deep in people that have grown up in church is right or wrong. And this fear that I'm going to make the wrong choice and it's going to screw my life up. And that's just not how most choices work. Right. Well, even think about this, you know, especially people from a biblical standpoint, think about in the Bible, it was the quote unquote, no, it was the wrong choice. Um, for Naomi's family to go down to Moab. They were told not to go there. So they sinned by going there. But by going there, we get Ruth right. and Boaz who were literally yeah, in Christ's God, line. God doesn't um, doesn't lay out and 
control our future, but he does protect our future. And in that, he protected even the line of Christ yeah. through this er- quote-unquote error right. that was just human just humans being humans, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. humans not listening to God, humans, whatever, you know, what, whatever it was, humans acting out of fear because God said this, but all of the things line up to this. And that's just, God knows we're going to do those things. God knows that we're going to do those things. And I'm not saying that that's this excuse to just not care what God says, but also to understand that even if I make the quote unquote wrong choice, God has a plan for me that continues. And it's not like I missed this this overall plan and it was the perfect plan. And now, you know, Jesus can't come because the line of Christ, no, he brought the line of Christ through this error. You know, God has a purpose in every moment, every choice, right or wrong that he's, that he redeems. Yeah. Love yeah, it. That's really good. Um, okay. So we're, we're, we're coming toward the end of our time. And I want to ask you just a couple of questions by way of uh, wrapping up. And I, and I definitely want to, uh, I think we want to have you back on later to talk about some of these other topics. Uh, like we definitely yeah. want to get in with you about being a single mother and working with children. Um, but time does not allow us to get here today. But hey, I don't care. These choices let us down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to ask you this. Is there any organization or people that you would like to shout out and just, you know, thank God and give them credit for what they did in your life? Yes, I would. Um, My adoptive parents have been so incredible. We had a very complicated history um, and they were in church abuse for a long time and in some ways still are. Um, and, And they have stepped into grace so beautifully um, and have embraced the kids and I where we're at and have learned to love without trying to dictate. Um, And it's been a journey for them and it's been a journey for me. Um, And therapy has helped me with that. Therapy has helped me actually put up some, some good boundaries that allowed me to be, that allowed us to be healthy. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was to put up healthy boundaries with them and say, this is something you don't get to speak into. Um, mm-hmm. this is something I'm choosing, um, and I'm a grown person. Um, but those boundaries and having a therapist to help me in articulating them and giving me exercises to help me be able to quote unquote, stand up to different things, um, allowed me to be able to develop this beautiful and healthy relationship with them. And then I would love to shout out BetterHelp and my therapist, Heather Butler. She's been absolutely fabulous. Um, BetterHelp is state specific. So unless you live in Maine, you can't have her. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> how did you um, hear about BetterHelp? How did you find it? I think it, I think that um, I think that my phone was probably listening to me um, and knew that I was in therapy. And when I left California, I had to leave that therapist from the well because it's state specific, um, mm-hmm. and so she couldn't continue to help me in Maine once I left California, um, which was a difficult transition because you know when you unpack your history and there's a lot of it it's just so hard to start over with somebody new mm-hmm. because it takes time to just develop like their understanding of what you've been through and who you are 
Um, and I will say that if you try out therapy for a session and you're like, I'm not sure I love that, give it two or three. Like, it just takes time. It's like a first date, you know? Like, I mean, if you're not dating somebody that you know. Like, you don't know them after you sat at Applebee's and had appetizers, you know? Like, you you still don't know them. <laughs> give- <laughs> well, if they took you to Applebee's, I'd be questioning the I was relationship say, anyway. <laughs> you might by their choice. Not a good first date, I realize. Um <laughs> Hopefully we can do better than that. But um, <sighs> yeah, yeah, totally. We should understand. have passed that on. No Applebee's. Um, <laughs> no Applebee's. Well, not for me. I'm. Some people love Applebee's. I'm sure it's just not my thing. <laughs> no Applebee's for me either. Right. We're my agreed on that. There has never taken me to Applebee's, so I think we're okay. We're in a good place, really. Okay, good. Guys. Okay. No Applebee's. <laughs> um. <laughs> um and that was one of the questions that you asked. What was the what was the other one? Oh, the shout out. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to say that um something that I listen to on a fairly regular basis that has been a huge resource for me. And if you're a single parent, um definitely listen to it. And we'll, I'm sure I'll talk more about it if we do a, a session on single parenting, but it's called the Solo Parent Society. Um it's faith-based, um, a, a Christian artist and um a friend of his, so a male, a man and a woman, they're not married to each other. Um, each of them were single parents for over eight years. Each of them came out of um, Christian relationships, upbringings. Uh, one of them was actively producing Christian music in the, you know, Christian music world, um, where you just think you're never going to end up in that place. <laughs> um, and sort of um, just a very hopeful, very encouraging um group of people. They have some single parents that they interview sometimes. Sometimes they interview huge names like, I mean, they've had like Kathy Lee Gifford on the show or Ann Voskamp, you know, big names, some of them. And some of them just very small nobodies that they just felt like this person's story um, is helpful. And it has been a very healing journey. Um, If you're stepping out of church hurt, you're going to feel super alone for a while because, um, church is all you've known for community and a lot of very strict churches don't allow you to have community outside of that church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary and isolating. And it's why a lot of people I think fall away from church entirely is that they just don't know where to find community. Um, so I would say that this lent me a, a place to feel safe and accepted and to relate to others that were walking with God, but walking with God without a spouse all of a sudden, um, and just, just to find that other people were validating my struggles, other people were finding hope and healing. Um, community is, we were just designed and created for it. So if you lose one, be sure you find another healthy one quickly. Um, even if it's digital, most things are digital right now. Um, and then, um, a couple of, I would say, uh, a couple of books, um, that have been really helpful and resources that have been really helpful um, are these two right here, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. Um, if you're coming out of church hurt, this book is pretty helpful um, to validate and understand um, some of the reasoning behind why men feel like they need to be in those positions of control and power um, and things that you might not recognize as abuse, but are actually abuse and form the way that you think about yourself, things that aren't what Jesus said, um, things that are just meant for control or power or um, 
undermining of who you are so that you can be more easily controlled. Um, and then and this little the graphic subtle power of spiritual abuse. It is called The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse by David Johnson and Jeff Van Vonderson. Okay. Surprised you haven't read this one, David. I've heard of it, but you should uh, see my potential read list there. I'll probably read it first. <laughs> it's bigger. Well, I guess it's a lighter read. It's more like graphic novel based. <laughs> it's called What If Jesus Was Serious? What If Jesus Was Serious? That's Sky Jathani. The author? Yes. Yep. Um, and it goes through different like Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff, different things that Jesus said that we just don't actually believe or act out. Um, and that has been helpful to me um, just in kind of going from that worldview of like, if I tick all the boxes, it'll all be okay to kind of like, no matter what choices I make in my day, what does it look like to do what Jesus said? Because that's really what the scripture comes down to. So, um, and then I'll say that my two churches, um, East Auburn Baptist and um, this sweet little East Sumner Congregational Church have been so instrumental in my healing. Um, and I'm incredible. And in, in pastoring and mentoring my children through um, divorce and um, living with a single mom and in not judging them and in embracing them. Um, and encouraging them and loving them like Jesus. And I'm just blown away with and grateful for that. So That's awesome. It's always really good to find a good community because it can be so hard, especially if you're saying given the limitations that we put on ourselves or that have been pushed upon us. And thank you for sharing those resources. I yes. took notes so I can read up on some <laughs> of the stuff too because I'm always looking for good resources. And I specifically yeah. like like have, self-help type stuff. So. Do you have show notes where people can like click on the show notes and go to different links yet? Uh, we have not. But actually, we are preparing to do that. And yours is going to be the first interviews that have them. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, by the way, did you know you're actually our very first interview? Oh, really? That's yes. exciting. Yeah. Well, we didn't want to tell you ahead of time because we didn't want to put any pressure on you. You did great. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, I would be remiss if I didn't shout out um, my current relationship, who's also been just an incredible best friend and resource to me. Um, and um, I'm just incredibly thankful. It's very hard to be friends with or love someone who's been through a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I have been shown a lot of love by this person in my very, very messiest moments, um, as my best friend. Um, and it has just been hard for me to learn how to accept unconditional love. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because it was just never a part of, it was never a part of what we were allowed to have. I mean, it's just, it just wasn't. Um, and so I'm very thankful for the unconditional love that has been shown to me, um, very consistently. And yeah, doesn't mean yeah. things don't get difficult or challenging or there's nothing to work yeah. through. But I think just to be unconditionally loved by someone is an incredible thing to have. And, and truly a picture of Christ, right? Yeah. Exactly. that's what he does. Exactly. So. Because um, nobody's a mess. <laughs> it's true. I have one more question for you. Yes. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is dealing with church hurt right now? Um, 
I think just to kind of reiterate a little bit what I said before, um, if your church that you're in right now is hurting you or is triggering for you, even if like East Auburn is a wonderful place, but for a while I couldn't go there. Um, even if you're in a safe place, but you're being hurt and you're um, eliciting trauma response for whatever reason, it might not even be anything wrong with the church, but something in it is triggering to you. Um, find a place where you're not being triggered for a while or set yourself a period of time where you just take a break from church. Um, not take a break from God, yeah. but take a break from church. You might even need to take a break from Bible time or structured anything, anything that's triggering to you in that need to fulfill, need to achieve, need to be, you need to let that go because God is not insecure in whether or not you're spending enough time with him. <laughs> okay. He's I okay. love that. That's, 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 that's going to get posted. With your name on it, you're going to be officially quoted. <laughs> Wait, God is not... again. I'm writing it down. <laughs> we have the recording. We'll get it for you. God is not insecure. He doesn't need you to spend time with him for him to love you. Um, love he's that. God. So, um, so don't, that let go of that need to achieve just um let his yoke be easy and his burden light for a little while like don't don't pick up the burden anymore just let it go if you are being hurt god doesn't want you to hurt <laughs> he doesn't want him to be tied to you hurting god is a god who heals and who loves he doesn't i don't want to say that love is not painful because sometimes it is <laughs> Sometimes love does hurt. Um, but God doesn't want your overwhelming feeling of him to be that of burden and achievement and pressure and being weighed down. He is a God who is freeing and all-embracing, and it should be delightful and joyful to come into his presence. So take time to heal from the God who isn't. Because that's what you're worshiping right now. If you're being hurt in church is the God who isn't. That's not who he is. And sometimes you can't go right from one to the other. It's going to take a little while and a lot of grace and a lot of you accepting that I didn't have to do this for God to love me. For you to realize that when you're ready and when you're healed, God didn't go anywhere. He's not insecure. He still loves you. He's going to be there to pick up the pieces. And it might be that today you can spend a minute reading scripture and you weren't triggered by it and God spoke to you and that's going to help you move forward into tomorrow where you can pick up a book and you can start to say, man, I was really hurt and I need to dig into why I was hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then when you start to define and, and heal in that way, then you're able to say, okay, now I can start going to church again. Um, and maybe you have to leave for worship because worship songs are too triggering for you. Or maybe, you know, you can't handle old hymns or Figure out what it is that triggers you. Give yourself permission to be triggered and to walk away when you are. And then slowly create around you an environment where you can worship God without those triggers. Um, that's what I would say. Um, and I think that really opens you up to saying you might have to find a different kind of church than you were in um, mm -hmm. and something that feels different. I never thought that being in a super traditional church would feel safer to me than being in a modern style worship service. And yet, because of the most recent trauma that I experienced, that's literally what feels the safest to me again. 
Um, and so figure out what feels safe. <laughs> I really would, I'd say the same thing. I would not have called that for you <laughs> at all. But yeah, we totally, totally understand. So yeah, the church we're in is very different from what we've been in before, but we really love where we're at right now as well. And uh, but again, mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on, for being so open and, and vulnerable and sharing. I know it's going to be a lot of uh, help to people and we definitely are going to be wanting to have you back if you're, you're up for it. You, anything else? I just appreciate um, you sharing your story, Tracy. I mean, I know you a little bit through David, but I feel like I learned so much about you today and just some of your trauma. And I actually feel like we have very similar backgrounds, different, but similar. Um, and I'm excited to look into some of these resources. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I feel very overwhelmed and privileged that I was your first interview. <laughs> you did great. Talking to you again. Yes. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely see you again. All right. Nikki and I are back to talk about what we heard there in that interview. And as I mentioned at the beginning, it was a really good interview. So we're really happy that she came on to talk to us about it. Among the things that we wrote down, one of the first things that really stood out to me was that there is a commonality that we seem to see, Nikki and I seem to see, uh, in, in dealing with people who have church hurt. And the commonality is that they will search far and wide going outside of their norms in order to find help. Uh, in other words, because they weren't helped in their church, they become so desperate to find help that they will look almost anywhere to get it. I mean, anywhere. The, the, literally, the idea is, I don't care where I get help as long as I get it. And that, to me, is a really big warning to us who are in church, who are leaders in church, who are mentoring people, who are discipling people, who are leading, who are teaching, who are preaching, that we need to make sure that we are going beyond all the way, not just to our basic little ideas of church, but going beyond it to actually be, as uh, Tracy said, being the hands and feet of Jesus to help uh, other people, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that also, not just in part ministry, but also including family and friends, right? I know we were kind of discussing that before where family and friends, you know, should also be there to assist and help and not just give cliche statements like, I'm praying for you. I actually just saw that on a post recently where somebody was talking about how the phrase, I'm praying for you is triggering to them. And I thought it was super interesting. And then when I read through more of the information, she was saying that, People would say that to her and then nothing would really be done that was helpful for her, her family. And so it was kind of just one of those things that people say like, oh, I'm praying for you. And then they move on without right. really taking time. Maybe they did pray for her, but not really giving that physical assistance or even providing resources. All right. Well, it's kind of like the example that Jesus gives whenever he's uh, teaching in the book of Matthew and he's saying, you know, I wasn't hungered and you gave me mead i was searching you gave me drink and he's going on and on and, and he says you did it to these people you were really doing it to me and then he turns around to people and say hey you didn't do it and what do they say hey you know be clothed be fed and god be with you basically and that's kind of what it's like if all we do is pray but we have the ability to help and we don't not that we do every single time because that would probably bankrupt us but <laughs> if you have the actual ability to help i think that we ought to really um look into doing that and and I love that Tracy actually said, I can't remember how she worded it, so maybe you remember, but 
how her church literally was like the hands and feet of Jesus. Yep, right? that, was, that was what she said. And helping. And it's such a good reminder for us as Christians to try to strive for being that way, right, with other people. Right, exactly. I think that's exactly right. And then just thinking about who you're ministering with um, and the power of, of uh, serving with other people. Nikki, you had a thought about that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that um, Tracy mentioned that playing the piano kind of helped keep her in church, right? Even when there were times that she didn't necessarily feel like she could go or wanted to go. Um, but kind of having that, I guess, like ownership of that area, like that was her responsibility. And people were counting on her, right, to be there to provide <clears throat> music for that service. And I think that so often from what we've seen, sometimes there's actually I've seen it both ways, right, where in churches, um, leaders will try to provide opportunities for people to um, join in and serve because they know that they're kind of on their way out of the church and they're thinking that, you know, uh, maybe this will help help keep them in, which it sounds like with in Tracy's case, it did. And then on the other hand, we've seen where maybe that could have been implemented and that could have helped people get more in touch and stay in church but instead they weren't allowed for whatever reason or invited and so it kind of pushed them out instead right and i think that it's important to understand that if a if a, if a christian is growing in the healthy way that they're supposed to they're going to want to get involved in some point mm -hmm. and we have talked about this so many times how we get these people who church leadership just gives up on just says sorry you can't help oh, you got to do this first you got to do that first and don't get me wrong i understand that there are like minimal thresholds that you want to cross with people but we need to find some way for people to get involved who want to get involved i don't understand why we are cutting ourselves off uh from a resource base and why we are preventing people from serving god and not just involved but specifically where they're able to be involved using their gifts right Right. Because if you get involved with something that you're not really interested in or don't feel gifted in, you know, it could backfire on you too. So. Right, exactly. I mean, you can put me in the sign language ministry if you want to, <laughs> the deaf section. I did work at a camp for the deaf two summers. I don't speak that much sign language, though, so I'm probably not going to be that very helpful in it. Um, it's got to it's gotta go along with what, what they have been gifted with. Um, Speaking of past opportunities like that and moving on, another aspect that Tracy mentioned, and I really liked how she said this, was that it is completely appropriate to mourn the loss of what you had. Uh, you know, for her, that mourning the loss of her marriage, maybe mourning the loss of where she lived. Um, it could be anything. You know, for, for me personally, whenever I left this, when Nikki and I left this last church and I left this ministry opportunity, I've been working my entire life toward a full-time ministry opportunity. And even though it was a toxic environment to be in, walking away from it still hurt because that was what my goal had been. And so there was it was the pain of crushed expectations and the pain of loss. Uh, and it's okay to mourn that. It's okay to take some time and just hurt for what you had and no longer have. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But then when you're done not when you're done hurting, but when you're ready, that's when you need to move on to uh, Christian counselors and clinical counselors and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be an evolving process anyway, right? Like it may not be in that order. Like it may, 
you may be grieving like while you're seeing a counselor too, right? Yeah. I think it's different per individual, right? Because we all go through those stages a little differently. Um, so in talking about um, those kind of situations, I really liked that she was talking about, you know, seeing somebody who's licensed or certified because they do tend to focus more on the clinical aspect of things. Right. Um, whereas, um, or I guess I shouldn't say whereas, some Christian counselors do too if they are certified or licensed. Like, you can be both. Um, but it's just something to be mindful of that, you know, so often Christians are like, oh, I know this Christian counselor. And they, they kind of just like, because this happened to me too, they like direct you that way. And I think they're just trying to help, right? The people who recommend. Yeah. However, it's not always super helpful because sometimes the issues are more clinical rather than spiritual and the people who are licensed they have the training right and the background Mm -hmm. in order to provide you with tools and techniques that you need to address the situations that you're in right and i really liked how what tracy said about that was i know the bible really well and if i want spiritual input then i'll ask you for it right and that was similar to my situation where you know, when I went to see a licensed psychologist, I knew a lot of the Bible already. He wasn't a Christian, so of course he didn't even bring up the Bible. But when he would say certain principles, I would tell David, I'm like, oh, the Bible says and such and such, you know, so it kind of aligned with the Bible. But yeah, I love that she, you know, kind of advocated for herself in that way. And I think it's important that we do that when we with anybody, honestly, but when, even when we talk to therapists, right? Like you're there for you. Like, what are you wanting to get out of this relationship? Exactly. And I mean, I think for, for Tracy and listening to her talk, it's very apparent that while she was in her therapy sessions for her and she was taking care of herself, she, she definitely had her children as a prime motivator. And, uh, I'm really proud of Tracy because Nikki, we've seen so many people who are in our lives, mm-hmm. they focus too much on being a spouse. They focus too much on being a parent before they focus on taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. However, I've also seen people go the other way with it who completely ignore the fact that they've got a spouse they need to be dealing with or a child and they're not looking out for them and I just need to take care of me. And it's very clear that her children were a prime motivator as they should be. Um, I think it's only appropriate to think about your children's health and well-being. I mean, whenever there's church hurt and fallout, We need to remember that the kids suffer it too. It looks different. Uh, It's handled differently. I mean, we were referencing this one particular church scandal, which I'm not prepared to talk about right now, not because I'm trying to hide anything, just because I'm still kind of dealing with it myself. Um, But when I thought about that situation, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there going, there is a spouse involved on one side. There are at least three kids on another side. And what are they going through? Who's helping them? And uh, I think at some point I'd, I, we ought to probably look into doing some investigation on how to help children mm-hmm. through these particular uh, kinds of circumstances and, and, and what to do there. Um, I even think that something else she said that was very fascinating and interesting to me was the fact that, and this is so backwards to me, I don't know. It's backwards to me because she was she's saying about how right now, because of the most previous hurt situation that she was in, where she is at is being in a church that's more traditional in nature. And I think that for someone like like you and me, Nikki, we, we were in more traditional churches. So those are the ones where we tend to, Tracy used the word trigger. I, I don't have a problem with that word necessarily, but where, um, you know, things happen and, oh man, and, and it reminds you of things and it makes it hard. 
uh, to continue. But for her, it was the other way. And I, I guess really what I'm wanting to point out there was, was something that you said, Nikki, and you can elaborate this on, um, in a minute if you'd like, is that you never know what it is necessarily that is going to all of a sudden happen to you. Uh, that's going to cause that triggering because there are still good things like it's not bad traditional good contemporary it's not <laughs> it's it's not good traditional bad contemporary both can have their ups and downs and i can tell you for example that there are some of those old hymns which are ridiculously comforting and calming mm -hmm. uh, to me and I, I just i think it's interesting to, so just remember that wherever you are you need to get to wherever you can go to find that kind of comfort and that kind of help you need and just be prepared. I really liked how she talked about giving yourself space like, hey, maybe you need to ditch out of the uh, the worship service for a while and just come in for the preaching. Or maybe you need to just listen for 10 minutes of preaching and that's all you can handle and then you leave or something. And I think it can be like what you're saying. It can be um, different every time, right? Like yeah. it may not necessarily be the same exact thing that triggers because I know that for me when I was working through a lot of my anxiety and panic attacks and stuff that would trigger me. It was almost like I would, I would figure out how to work through, you know what I'm going to say? Huh? I do. Yep. <laughs> it was almost like I would figure out how to work through one situation that I found triggering. And then it was like some random thing that wasn't triggering before would now be triggering. And I'd be having to deal with that. Or, um, I would figure out like a physical way to deal with something. And then I would have a mental block that I had to overcome. And so, I think it's just always being open to working on different things through different ways, right? Just being open to that and giving your, yourself space and grace for that, right? Because yeah. you're going to have moments and they're probably going to happen like anywhere, right? <laughs> you may not know when the, those emotions are going to come up. Like Tracy was saying, just running into a couple, you know, um, who was kind of associated to some of that. Like it may just happen, you know, and just being... Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm remembering that time we were in Walmart and we saw this one this one couple in the store and we were just not prepared to talk to them at that particular point in time. And oh, so yeah. we were literally like going to the edges of the aisles and like checking to see if we were down that aisle. And it was so funny because I want to say you literally said, okay, well, if you see them... Just, I was like, give me a sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and literally right when she said that, I watched them come out at the end of the aisle and I went, turn now, turn now. And she kind of thought I was kidding, but they were really no, coming I, out. Yeah. I thought you were kidding because I, you liked to mess with me and I literally was just like, give me a sign. And then you did it right after. So I was like, he's kidding, obviously. And then she turned around and there they were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I was even trying to wear like the hood to my jacket to like hide, <laughs> like have my mask up higher. That's the good thing about masks nowadays. Right. right? You can you hide. Can yeah, you put your hoodie on and your mask. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my soul. But but yeah, so that's you never know what it is that, that's going to cause that um, triggering. And even thinking about uh, triggering things, Nikki, you actually said something during this interview, which I found so insightful, was the idea of dealing with things as they happen throughout the day so that you don't unload like a cannon on somebody. You mean uh, on you? <laughs> well, <Okay>. now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, we all deal with different irritations and some are bigger than others throughout the day, but just really being mindful of what those things are and giving ourselves space in that moment to feel what we feel, have those emotions, acknowledge it instead of suppressing it, right? So frequently, um, I 
am very not, <laughs> I'm not as good at this. And I've really been working hard at working toward this as um, I go along my life, but just getting better at being in the moment and being aware of how I feel about situations and allowing myself to express that, you know, yeah. it's okay to express how you feel. Absolutely. Jesus did, right? Tracy mentioned that. Um, a lot of people in the Bible did, and I just think it's important for us to do that so that we're not inadvertently becoming aversive toward other people. Yeah, especially the people that we really, really love, because the last thing I want to do is be having a rough day at work and come home and take it out on you, and then all of a sudden, you don't want to be around me anymore because I'm I'm being a jerk. It's not intended to be aimed at you, but you're there, and as Tracy said, you're uh, you know you're a safe harbor for me. And the problem is, is that safe harbor still has its limits. It may be higher than other people's limits, but it's still, um, there are still limits to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even within that, we just need to be careful when we are hurting about taking that hurt out on other people who weren't necessarily hurt with us. So like, let's say, for example, you end up leaving a church and then you see other people at the church and you get all frustrated and angry. Like, well, why didn't they do something? Why didn't they say something? What's wrong with them? How do you know they knew what happened to you? Um, and you're like, how could they not know? Oh, I mean, they're not you. And depending, it's just like, I plaster it all over social media. Are you sure they're even on social media? You're like, yes, they have a Facebook. So they may not be on there that much. They might not look at it. Or maybe they have 1100 friends and your post just kind of sunk to the bottom. Right. Yeah. They really <laughs> like may not know. So like have a little, yes, it is like your friends. You have so many, <laughs> um, just have a little grace for the people who didn't have your experience. Um, and, and kind of just give them space to be who they are like you want space to be who you are. Uh, it's the right thing to do there. Um, another aspect that got brought up, and I really, really uh, liked this, was that she said that a good therapist doesn't tell you what to do. And I don't necessarily know we need to say a ton about this other than to say that's exactly correct because people are always concerned about, oh, what happens if I go see a therapist? What if they are telling you what to do, if they're telling you to stop believing in God, if they're telling you there's something wrong with that therapist, you can find another therapist. You're mm -hmm. not locked in. Um, your insurance will let you find another one. And if you're not in insurance, you're really not locked in. Um, right. And along those same lines, if you're going to see a therapist as a couple, right, because you're wanting to work toward building your relationship and dealing with whatever issues are going on there, then that therapist should be rooting for the relationship absolutely right? they shouldn't be there <laughs> trying to tear you apart or i don't know cause division among you but they should be you know promoting um i guess tools and resources that will help bring you guys together and even um exercises you know within mm -hmm. within that counseling period that can help you yeah and be aware of a, of a, a couple's counselor who does not give you homework um be aware of any counselor who doesn't give you homework if it's not practical why are you there well, and I'll just say this too. Do the homework. Uh, yeah. The reason I'm saying that is because when I saw a therapist, um, I actually, he gave me some homework and I brought it back and he was so shocked that I did the homework and I couldn't understand why. And he told me that most people don't do the homework, which was ludicrous to me because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm literally paying to come see you. You know, you're the professional. And he just said that a lot of people come in because... They want me to fix their issues, but they're not willing to do the work. Right. And and by the way, no one else can fix your issues for you. Right. <laughs> you can only control you and no one else. Um, and even speaking about the kind of people that you go see, 
Uh, I like that Tracy brought up the idea of a life coach. And I know that sometimes life coaches were really, really big and everyone was a life coach for a while and it's kind of fallen out, but that doesn't mean there's not value in them. We do have a friend who's a life coach who I'm trying to convince uh, to come onto the show. I think it'd be really good. And with him, I don't think it's not that he doesn't want to. It's about a timing issue. Um, but if you can find a really good life coach, that is definitely worth investing into because as she said, a life coach is much more about the idea of practical, try this out, try that mm -hmm. out, do this method. Like they analyze what you're doing based on that. They prescribe uh, some sort of path. Well, and I think also um, likely goal setting, right? Yeah. So they'll like sit with you, work on, you know, what are you wanting to accomplish? Let's write that down. Let's figure out steps that you need to take in order to achieve this goal. Right. Yeah, because it has to be achievable. And it's really nice if you've gone and attended this uh, nice inspirational speaker conference. But if you don't have something in which you're able to sit down and, and get something practical, then again, what's the point? Really, what's the point? Um, Want to shift focus a little bit now. Um, she, Tracy mentioned this. She said that if you're stepping out of church hurt, you will feel alone for a while. Um, Nikki, you had some really good thoughts about this. Yeah. Um, so we've been here a few times, actually, more recently, several times, I would say. Yep. And I think that this includes leaving um, just one church to go to another church, not necessarily like um, different denominations or anything like that, but just like even if you're in the same, like I know we were in um, IFB type churches and we went from one to another and you can feel really isolated if you're even just leaving the area, right? First of all, because that's like a no-brainer. You're like right. in a different environment. Um, and we moved from California to North Carolina. Woo. And so we're like thousands of miles away from most of the people we know. Um, and that can feel kind of isolating. But even more recently, we transitioned from IFB to, I don't even know what, if they would identify, what they would identify as. But um, uh, just a Baptist honestly, church, just a Baptist church. Yeah. And the people there are so loving and you can just tell that they really love Jesus and they want to help us um, be successful in life, but really do what God wants us to do. Right. As a team, like all of us work together. And um, even just that transition was a little isolating for us because it's it's a different church. Like the culture is different. Not that it's bad. We really love it. But because of being in the environments that we had grown up in, I think, and even attended our schools, like they were right. kind of the same, um, you know, like at this church, they do a little more worship, um, contemporary type style music. And that's a little out of our element. Not that we don't listen to that, but we're not used to having that in the church, in church setting. setting. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the clothing attire is different um like men don't always wear suits and i love that actually <laughs> not think, that i wear suits or anything well but... <laughs> we've been going there for months and i think i've worn a suit three times yeah and i you know i wear pants to church sometimes <gasps> i wear pants to church sometimes i don't always wear suits <laughs> oh my goodness how are we still in this church <laughs> but yeah i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying all that to say that sometimes even just those small changes can be a little isolating because you're not used to them you know right um, do you have anything you want to say about that? Well, I was just also going to say, chances are good if you're going from church A to church B, you're taking your church hurt baggage with you too. And that alone kind of makes you isolated because even when people are being friendly, you're still kind of wary of it. And yeah. so maybe you hold people at a little more arms, mm -hmm. arm's length 
you know, especially when we came all the way out here, I was already skeptical, like, oh, this is a huge decision. What if we're wrong and we're reading the situation and it's going to be a horrible thing? And I just trusted God anyway, and it, it ended up being a horrible thing. But Not all of it's horrible. Though. No, and it's not. Uh, none of it was all horrible. <laughs> just got to throw that out there. Right, right. But then, you know, we, we went to this church. So I just think it, it can be isolating, too, in the fact that we kind of somewhat do that to ourselves in addition to the parts that you don't help just because of, of what you're used to. And the thing is, is like we were talking about different is not bad, right? It's just different. It's different. Yeah. As long as it's biblical, it's perfectly fine to get into that. Right. Um, I really do like the way the people at our church love too. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they're just, they're there for each other. And that's something that, that I have found. I missed. I wanted that. Yeah. Same. Um, another thing that Tracy mentioned is, let me see, um, regarding unconditional love, she had mentioned that she wasn't allowed to have access to it. And um, so I was kind of thinking about my story and my background, and I think I was talking about how, like, it's interesting that she felt like she wasn't allowed to have access to it. Um, and in my story, I feel like you know, that could definitely be a possibility. I also think that maybe um, it was more like the people who were above me, like parents or even like leadership, like maybe they didn't know how to accept that unconditional love, right, from God. And so therefore, they maybe weren't able to model what that looked like. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, if you can't model what you don't know, you can't. Yeah, if you if you've not been able to do it, you know, it's kind of like if I went to a new job, doing a completely different thing, you know, because I'm in pest control right now. So if all of a sudden they pulled me over and said, "Hey, you're doing pest control," um, I need to think of something that would be completely different. <laughs> um, you're gonna be in IT and you're gonna be doing coding. Uh, I need you to walk over here and teach this guy over here how to code. I don't know how to code. How am I supposed to teach them how to code? I can I can really kill a cockroach for you, but I don't know anything about coding. And so it's kind of the same thing as like what you're saying. If they have not been themselves, the recipients and the um and the the partakers of unconditional, unconditional love, love, and not even just how can they give that on right? And not even just talking about unconditional love from God, right? But even from other people. Sure. Because if you look at different relationships that we're familiar with it's one of those things where it's like well i don't i haven't seen unconditional love in those relationships so then how would they be able to provide that as well right and i really think that it needs to be understood that in unconditional love is the space for growth and healing Mm -hmm. i mean one of the things we have people that will share with us the most vulnerable the most sometimes shocking things that they would tell us why do they tell us that because we're going to genuinely respond in a way that says we're here to help. Even if we think they did something which makes them a, a, a pile of garbage at the time. Um, you know, because we've had people tell some pretty reprehensible things. But because they know that in the end, no matter what they've done, we're here to help them grow. They tell us those things and we are able to help them. That's the kind of unconditional love that we all need to have for each other. Mm-hmm. Not that we're going to let it go, but... That it's just because you told us doesn't mean that we're going to condemn them. I love how Tracy pointed out the whole no condemnation. I think that might have been on the first uh, interview last week. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on that part? No. 
Okay, so we're about to wrap it up. And thanks for hanging on with us. This is a little bit longer podcast. She had so much. We actually thought about taking a completely yeah. whole different podcast to talk about. Tracy, as usual, you are an excellent conversationalist. And uh, so we, we're, we're trying to keep this limited. So the last couple things we want to mention. Tracy, I told you you were going to get quoted. Yes. We're quoting you. Because so. I wrote this down because I loved it. The one that I had you repeat. <laughs> yeah. So Nikki's going to say something that you said. And then I'm going to say something you said. And we're just going to really quickly talk about it. You go ahead. Yeah. So Tracy said something toward the end. And I absolutely love it. I it's amazing. want to frame it. I don't know. I yeah. love it that much. <laughs> but it says, God is not insecure in whether or not you are spending enough time with him. I love that. And I just love that because I feel like so often we spend time with God because we think like we're supposed to or he wants that or whatever the reason is, right? But out of obligation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying if you want to, obviously. But he doesn't need that from us, you know? No. He, um, he wants it, but he doesn't need it. He's not insecure. Right. And like when you I don't know, I guess I think it's more special when people want to do something for mm -hmm. you versus like when they need it. Right. Sure. Like whenever I'm counseling, um, young men about, uh, uh, finding a wife, one of the things I tell them is find a woman who wants you, not a woman who needs you. I mean, among everything I say, because there's that whole rescue the damsel in distress thing. And I'm like, okay, that's great and all, but you're always going to wonder that if she didn't need you, would you want you? Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of thinking about like on the Fiddler on the Roof, the whole do you love me thing, because it's not like they had much of a choice. <laughs> they were just kind of thrown in together. Um, and, and God wants you. God wants me. God wants us. That's why we go to spend time with him, because he wants us. And it's so nice to be wanted. Uh, the other quote that she said, and I love this, is she said, take time to heal from the God who isn't. No, this was not her declaring her atheism because she very much believes in God. <laughs> but her point is, that's an antichrist. This angry, judgmental God who has a list that he expects you to follow or else is not the God of the Bible. Waiting there with a bat to hit you when you mess up. Right, or a lightning <laughs> bolt or something, or a car. You I don't know. know why I said bat. Probably because I don't no, that's really what people like say. Baseball. Well, no, that's always <laughs> the illustration that's given. He's waiting up there with a baseball bat. <laughs> That stop. You need to take time to heal from that perception of God because that's not who God is. Yes, mm -hmm. God is a holy God. Yes, God does expect us to also be holy, but it's not. He knows that we're dust. He understands our infirmities. Hello, that's why he died for us. And so I just take some time to heal from that concept of God and get into your Bible and learn who God is pray with God not just to God pray in the presence of God you know prayer involves all three parts of the Trinity the Holy Spirit within us speaks through God the Son the mediator between God and man to the Father it is an extraordinarily spiritual experience and if we're just looking at it as okay yeah this is my duty and my job I need to get things from God you're not going to get the same thing out of it that you would get if it were more of I'm doing this for the relationship aspect of God. So uh, was there anything else you can think of that we need to? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, so much there. I know. Already. We we literally, I, we kind of reined ourselves in. We probably should have <laughs> just taken a whole other episode to talk about it. Uh, Tracy, great job. Thank you once again for joining us. We're definitely planning on having you back. 
uh, want to remind everybody that if you want to contact us, you can email us at lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. That's lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. Feel free to ask us questions, uh, suggest topics, suggest guests. Maybe you think there's something that you want to share. Hey, send it in. If we get enough, we may end up uh, creating a, a mailbag portion. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And we are going to be announcing very soon the launch of our website. And uh, once that's up, everyone says, well, what's the tacos part? What's the tacos part? Well, that'll come more with the website uh, <laughs> than on here. But thank you once again for joining us. Thanks for bearing with us. Thank you for being patient with us through the, the bad audio. We will fix that, but we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Love, Faith, Tacos. We hope this has been a blessing to you. If it was, we ask that you do three things. Number one, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Number two, please leave us a five-star rating and write a review if you can. And number three, please tell a friend because hope is just too important not to share.